right. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to Theology Thursdays. My name is Alex Hauser. That's Doug Becker. We've been studying through how to study our Bible in a short little mini series. And then this week, Doug, I think we're going to take a little bit of a bonus week and actually try to employ some of the things that we've been talking about for the past couple weeks and uh, jump into some scripture and actually just try to put some of these things into play. And and so we'll do like a quick Bible study, you and I, which is fun. And hopefully this will be kind of insightful for some folks. And uh, Doug, I think we're turning to Philemon today, right? We are, because we want, I wanted to make sure we do a nice long book. Yeah, you know, we're going for a record here with the length of this one. <laughs> this is good, though. You know, honestly, I, I haven't, I've not really studied Philemon in depth. So uh, not that we're going that deep in this anyway, but it, it'll be cool to turn to Philemon. So let's yeah. do it. Yeah, 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 for sure. Now, uh, just so that to make sure everybody's in the habit, uh, uh, we got our Bibles open. Uh, if you're turning to Philemon, that's the last of the books of Paul. Right before and Hebrews. Right before Hebrews. Mm-hmm. And I uh, you got your notebook. So this is a, my current scripture notebook. I got my notes from 1 Samuel in here today. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, so, so just, you know, something to write with uh, is what we like to have. Um, and rolling. <laughs> so Philemon is short enough that I think um, we will be reading it in its entirety at least once. But so I guess what we'll do is I'm just going to show like kind of like my um, how I would go about studying a letter. And this is an epistle. So it's a letter. So it's a it's a distinct, uh, distinct genre. Epistle Um, means letter. Right. And. mm -hmm, Yep. mm -hmm. Uh, There is a distinction between an epistle and a letter, but don't ask me what it is because I forget. Is there really? Yeah. I I just (laughs) always assumed epistle just meant letter. I forget what it is. I forget what the distinction is. So, well, there you go, man. I've got a note on here already. What what does a pistol yeah, mean? You can look at uh, how to read the Bible for all it's worth. I think Fee talks about it in there. But uh, Love that. that's an awesome book, by the way. It if is you're very uh, book, following yeah. along with us, how to read the Bible for all of its worth by uh, is it Gordon Fee? Gordon Fee, yeah. yeah. He's got Great a really book. good section in there on translation and stuff. Yeah, yeah. good stuff. I keep on thinking about other things like rabbit trails to take us off on, but I'm going to stay focused. Don't. (laughs) Um, That's my role here, Doug. But yeah, so actually, I mean, if you do want to read a book on Bible interpretation, that's a very good one to start. Um, Another one that's been very helpful to me is uh, Klein, Blomberg, and Hubbard, which I think is just called Introduction to Biblical Interpretation, or maybe biblical hermeneutics or something like that but klein blomberg and hubbard are the authors and then if you want a little bit of a more meteor dive uh grant osborne's book the hermeneutical spiral so (laughs) that's a but that's that's a little bit deeper that's a bit thicker yeah all right doug so first and foremost before we even dive into the scripture i would just love to pray for us uh as we get started as i normally do anytime we're going to yeah and let's let's remember to pray for our nation right now with some of these like uh some of these these uh videos that have been coming out of uh Mm. you know um this uh this racial divide that is still existing in our country so let's make sure that we pray for that yeah you want to pray doug you want me to pray or yeah go ahead Oh, okay. Well, sure. We can both pray. Go ahead. Let's pray. I'll close right. this up. Yep. Lord, um, thank you for uh, the time to spend uh, in your word. And thank you, Father, for speaking to us. And we ask that you would speak to us through these scriptures, Lord. Uh, show us things that um, would help us to live uh, better under Christ's lordship and rule. Uh, transform our heart because that's what you, you give us your words to do. So, Thank you for this. Uh, thank you for this time. Thank you for everybody who's checking out this video. And I pray that it would be of uh, uh, benefit to them and that not only would they learn a little bit more about Bible interpretation and Philemon, but that they would ultimately that all of us would know you better as a result. And Father, we also want to lift up um, our, our hurting nation, Father, uh, for all the division that's in it, Lord. We know that the true power of healing is in Christ and in, and in the gospel. And I pray that um, as Christians, you would help us to know how to respond, that you would help us to know when to speak, when not to speak, mm-hmm. and when we do speak, what to say. And um, I pray that you're, you, would, you would turn the church, and particularly our church, into a model of what you want um, 
of what you've created us to be, Father. Um, a, a place where uh, very diverse people can come and be one and uh, one in Christ, Lord. Um, help us. We understand that that is true of us spiritually. Help us to realize that truth practically in our lives, just as we see going on here in the book of Philemon. Father God, we thank you, uh, Lord, just for how you love us. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to walk together as a church. Lord, that we have your word here at the center of all that we do. God, we thank you for the hope and truth that we have in the gospel. Lord, and as Doug prayed, I just pray that we would uh, reflect that well, God, in, in all that we do in our speech. Uh, in our manner, in our actions, uh, in the way that we live our lives. Lord, I do pray for this time now. Lord, thank you for the privilege that Doug and I have to be able to sit down now and study your word. God, I pray that you would remove uh, all other distractions. Lord, I pray that this would be a holy time, uh, that we get to be in your word. God, would you, would you instruct us? Would you teach us? Lord, would you put um, questions on our heart that challenge us uh, to want to look and be more like Jesus? And uh, Lord, ultimately, we pray that we would glorify you through this. God, that Jesus' name would be made great. And Lord, as we go through this process, for those listening in and uh, taking their own journey, Lord, whether they've been studying the Bible for years or, or whether this is all brand new to them, Lord, I pray that uh, that this would help all of us to fall more and more in love with you. Uh, and Lord, as Doug prayed for the, the craziness of everything going on around us, God, um, you have your church here at the center. And, uh, and Lord, I pray that we would be a beacon of hope and light. And uh, uh, for all of those of a, of a hurting world to see and know that there is life in Christ. And uh, Lord, to that end, uh, we just pray that you would bless this time now uh, for your glory and in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, all right buddy. Let's, let's talk finally. Amen. Let's do it. All right. So um, what we're going to begin by doing is uh, charting the flow of thought through the book. So I'm going to just kind of um, read it in sections and just try to i'm going to try to summarize each paragraph or so with a sentence okay um so uh, i'll read the first three verses technically it kind of looks like they're indenting them so they're like three mini paragraphs but in essence it's a greeting so unless there's like really good reason i just always kind of lump it together so and doug you know we talked a lot about translation which uh translation are you reading from i'm reading from the english standard version it's my okay. go-to mm -hmm. um and I suppose I'm also going to note as much as I can about the background. I'm going to try to piece together the letter. There's a lot of stuff that from the study of Paul in general, we could pull into this, but I'm going to be trying to work as much just straight from the text of Philemon because I don't want it to be like you have to have a good grasp of the chronology of Paul's life or his biography in order to get this. Sure. I'm assuming a pretty basic level here. Sure. So, all right, so let's, let's go. So, uh, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, I'm just, I'm probably, I'm going to summarize this as uh, Paul greets the house church of Philemon. Um, you've got a couple other individuals there. And I'm going to note a couple of things. And Alex, if you, if you observe some questions, and this sure. is, maybe, maybe we didn't emphasize this as much, but like asking questions is really the way to go. Like I want to I wanna end up with more questions than I'm able to answer. Sure. Um, so as we as we sit down and look at this book, right? So if I'm if I'm looking at this and reading this for the very first time, one yeah. of the first questions I would ask is, why is this called Philemon? What does that even mean? So mm -hmm. right here in the first paragraph, we have our explanation for that, right? Mm -hmm. So Paul, he's our author, so we know that already. Um, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. Doug, is that safe to assume that he is actually in prison? That's not. It a sounds like, sounds like he's in prison. And one thing there that does strike me as a little odd, and I said I wouldn't bring too much other Pauline stuff, but I think it's interesting that he says a prisoner for Christ Jesus rather than of Christ Jesus or something. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what the significance of that is, but I'm just going to note that prisoner for Christ Jesus. Mm. And, you know, yeah. 
And I was just going to say, uh, you know, the answer to my question is, is right there in the second sentence, right? To Philemon, our beloved mm -hmm. uh, fellow worker. And what is that, Aphia? Is that how you say that? I would say Aphia, but yeah, sure. Aphia is fine. Our Probably. sister and Archippus. Right. So we, we know that Paul's writing this letter and he's writing it to these guys. Yep. So there's yep. our title. And uh, that it's, it's a house church. Yeah, you said that. That was another thing I wanted to kind of hone in on. So that's something you know outside of the text, right, Doug? Uh, well, he says a church in your house. So I'm, uh, yeah, in verse two, he says to the church in your house. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Um, now, one thing you do know from outside the letter is pretty much all of the churches are house churches at this point, except yeah. there are churches that, you know, meet in synagogues and stuff like that. But, uh you're yeah, right. I didn't realize he, I didn't, I wasn't listening very well. He says that specifically to the church yeah. in your house. That's cool. That's interesting. Yeah. And then another thing that you draw from the larger context of Paul that makes this letter unique is that um, most of the, I mean, the pastoral epistles would be an exception to this, Timothy, the first and second Timothy and Titus, but this is actually addressed to an individual uh, or primar than... primarily to an individual. Sure. He does address it. It, but that's interesting too, right? So it's an individual, but others also. So it's almost like he's speak. He it's it's as if Paul is maybe standing in front of the church and talking to this guy, wanting the whole rest of the church mm. to hear. So it's almost like so, Paul is delivering this letter to the orator for the for the entire church for the benefit of the entire church. Sure. But so that's, and I think that that's going to be uh, come become relevant later on with some of the other questions we might ask. Cool. All right. Anything else there? Uh, makes sense to me. Paul's greeting and, and we have our explanation of who's writing into who. Yeah. And the grace and peace, obviously you, you can go as deep as you want to. Uh, that is a very familiar, uh, familiar greeting uh, that Paul writes, especially around this point in his life. So, mm. yeah. Um, okay, next paragraph. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed to you. Mm. Okay. So <clears throat> let's see, we want to summarize it. We want to try to capture the whole thing. So this is essentially um, uh, Thanksgiving to God. So let's just say we're making it a proper sentence. Paul thanks God um, for um, now. I'm not going to cheat here. A cheat would be for me to look at the Greek over here on my second screen and to see if these U's are plural or singular. But okay. assuming just that, you know, so is he thanking it for the entire churches or is he thanking it for Philemon alone? Mm. Um, but given that we haven't talked about how to do that, I'm not going to assume that. But So that would be a question sure. that an English reader would have. Are, are the U's plural or singular? And, and that's not always a question. Sometimes it's very obvious, but there are places where uh, the use are plural and, you, and, and that does impact interpretation. Um, mm. Like, for example, last week when we looked at the passage from 1 Corinthians 3 about, um, you know, the, uh, the work that every man does and being saved through fire, right? And then he starts saying, and the reason I'm saying this is because you are that temple, and the use there are plural. That's one of the reasons why we know he's not talking about like my body as the temple of the Holy Spirit, but the church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So there's sure. a lot of places where that question is relevant. So that's a good question to ask, I think. So, so Paul thanks God um, for, let's just say Philemon's uh, faith and love for all the saints. Hmm. Okay. You think that that captures it pretty well? Yeah, my, my second thought too is that there's a second part of that where I think Paul is also praying that, right? So verse six, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Yeah. So he's praying for the forward motion of that as well. You know what I mean? He's thankful not just for Philemon or, or this church's faith and love, but also that it may continue on to 
I, I don't want to say completion, but to continue to grow as well. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a comma then at the end of my sentence and just add, and wants it to go on. <laughs> so sure. Paul, thanks God for faith uh, and love, uh, Philemon's faith and love for the saints and wants it to go on. So um, it's, it's worthwhile in the epistles trying to note what the tone is. Um, so, and the, one of the most basic questions is, is the author happy or, or, or maybe angry or maybe concerned? Yeah. And here you have a, you know, it seems like he's genuine Thanksgiving, genuinely thankful for him. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, now we have a pretty big paragraph here and one could be forgiven if you wanted to split this in two to make it more manageable mm. right now. Let's not plan on doing that, but you could. Sure. Um, so accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required Yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man now, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but by your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Mm. So this is an extraordinarily interesting paragraph. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's crazy. So, well, you know, base level view, right? So, you know, I, we should probably sum our, our sentence up first because like here it, is, it, it seems like Paul's pleading for the sake of this guy that, of Onesimus that um, Philemon might receive him back once again, not as a slave, but rather as, um, uh, as a beloved brother. Yeah. Yep. Uh, exactly. So, uh, and I think that's essentially what we want to say. So, so if I'm summarizing this, I would just say Paul appeals to Philemon to receive Onesimus back as a brother, not a slave. Hmm. Now let's, uh, let's try to make some questions and observations about this paragraph. Sure. Right? Big one sticking out is, okay, so if Onesimus was a slave, right, if we're going to take this at face value and literally, then how, why is he no longer there? You know what I mean? Did he run? Did he escape? Did he take off? Was there some kind of circumstance? Was he sent, you know, to yeah. do something and didn't return in time? Yeah. So why was Onesimus there? And you want to kind of try to you, you, even if you've read the letter before you want, if you're doing this, you kind of want to pretend like you're dumb. You know, like, like you don't know what's going on. Comes easy right? for me, Doug. <laughs> and one of the things, yeah, me too. And <laughs> one of the things that like I, I saw um, when reading this is that like you're kind of, the reader is kind of wondering what's going on. And this illustrates that principle with the epistles that we talked about briefly last week, that the, 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 the writer and the recipient often share knowledge that we are not privy to. And you have to figure it out from clues. So if you're just reading, you really have no idea what Onesimus's deal is. Right. Who was he to Philemon until you get to verse 16 and he says, no longer as a bondservant, mm -hmm. but more than a bondservant. As a, right. So like, then you're like, oh, he was Onesimus's slave. Right. So, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's kind of interesting how that unfolds. Um, 
All right, let's. I'm gonna. I'm just. I'm just gonna go through, and we'll we'll try to like piece together some of the background here. Then, right? So, mm. um, I also wouldn't. So one of the other, some of the other verses that stick out of this to me, you know what I mean? Like some of the ones that I, I'm underlining and circling in my own in my own Bible is probably the first one. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner, also for Christ Jesus. It's interesting. So Paul's, Paul's basically saying, you know, I am bold enough to make this command to you in, in some sense saying authority that probably an apostolic, you know, authority or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? To, to, you know, command him that, you know, this is how it's going to go. Forgive Onesimus's debt or whatever's going on here, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He's appealing to him, yep. which is interesting. And it, you know, that is showing us something later on as far as what does this teach me about God? Um, so maybe, so maybe a question then why, why doesn't Paul just pull rank? Right. So that, yeah. that would maybe be why I would put it. Um, um, and I can have my own hypothesis as to like, you know, what that, what that might be, you know, uh, um, it just kind of seems to me that like, you know, he'd rather, it's like, he'd rather Philemon, want to do it than have to do it like there's a, something of value in him coming to the conclusion on his own rather than his hand being forced right um the other thing the other thing to that too like so we see that there's something of a relationship between Onesimus and Philemon you know what I mean and then there's also we we know Paul's relationship to Onesimus obviously yeah. um but we don't necessarily know Paul's relationship to Philemon you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And that's kind of what I'm hinting at here. So obviously he's bold enough to say, I could command you to do this thing instead of appealing to you. But what is it, you know, obviously it, it, at least from the letter, it would suggest that Philemon would look to the authority of Paul for one reason or another, you know, yeah, and I'm, I'm yeah, curious and about kind of that relationship as well. Yeah. Um, the other thing too, that I think it's probably appropriate to introduce here is that I sense in this letter there's something to be learned from Paul's rhetorical approach, which we've already hinted at. Like, why does he appeal? But like, mm. also, how does he make that appeal? Like, so he, I think it's, if, we, if we're assuming that he wants a Philemon to come to this conclusion of what he should do on his own, um, he's also saying things here that really do lean against him. Right. So it's not as if he just puts it out there and says, figure it out. Like he's clearly making his wishes known. And he's also, it seems to me that there's some kind of subtext going on here. Like, and if I, but if I have to, I will, if I have to command you, I will, but don't make me, I, I almost think of this letter and here I'm disclosing that I've read it before as Paul's passive aggression, <laughs> there's some, really right? Because, and we'll see a little bit more of that. And I, I say that kind of joking, not, not to say that like it's biblical to be passive aggressive, but there's some stuff in there that almost has that flavor. So though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required yet for love's sake, I appeal to you. But then he lays what some might, I'm not going to say it's a guilt trip, but he says, I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner for Christ Jesus, mm, right? Almost like, like a dying man's wish. Yeah, he's already called himself a prisoner for Christ Jesus. So he's almost like, look what I've suffered in the gospel. That gives me the moral credibility to be able to speak into your life, mm. to be able to ask you, like, I'm doing something hard for the gospel. Now I'm going to ask you to do something hard for the gospel. Hmm. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I, I note that, 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 uh, that Paul seems to be going out of his way to remind him of how he himself has gone out of the way, uh, out of his way. And in case it's not obvious, the idea here would just be that like, as spiritual leaders, we, um, we shouldn't ask people, we don't want to be asking people to do incredibly difficult things for Christ from a position of never having had to do anything incredibly difficult for Christ. Right. Right. You know, that's, that's part of what makes a good, a godly leader. Yeah. Um, 
So, okay. Um, so I'll note that. Um, I was also going to note the last sentence too. It's, I just find it interesting the way that Paul says this, right? So in verse 16, um, I, I guess I'll read from 15. For this perhaps is why he parted from you for a while that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, right? Verse 16, but more than a slave as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you both in the flesh and in the Lord. Yeah. That's interesting. So it's almost like he's, he's making a kind of a minor argument here. Like, sure, he's a brother to me, but how much more is he to you both in the mm -hmm. flesh and the brother? So I don't know what that means. You know what I mean? But it seems like he said that intentionally. Yeah. Yeah. You mean, um, and, and it's the other thing too, I see here, like is cause, and this is, this is how, remember how I, I used that super long analogy about Mr. Miyagi and the karate kid. Yes. <laughs> and like kind of talked about how scripture just subtly teaches you how to be just by spending time in it. Yeah. And this is part of it. You know, like you might not, you're probably never going to have to encourage someone whose slave has escaped to receive the slave back as a member of the church. Right. Mm. But like there's, a, there, you will have to ask people to do hard things. Mm. And and so, like, we can model ourselves after the way that Paul does, does uh, conducts himself and writes this letter. And one of mm. the things from the verse that you just cited is what I sometimes call Paul's mushy language. Okay. He gets mushy with his readers sometimes, where mm. he's like, my beloved brothers, my heart, you know, uh, like, like you, you are my letter of recommendation, Second Corinthians, you know, and 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 here yeah, he says like, that in verse twelve, right? I'm I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart, sending my very heart, right? Yeah. Like, it's almost like who wrote this, Steve? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> but but I mean that's but you know, but then again, Steve is a guy who spends a lot of time in the Word and whose way of thinking has been shaped, no doubt, by this kind of stuff. Mm. So. Yeah, well, um, you know, not to mention that this sense of emotion that Steve has is not a it's it's not a dramatic ploy by any no, it's means. Not. I mean, it's and always it's triggered when he gets a full feeling of who Christ really is and salvation that comes in him. And speaking and of Steve, this that. is his favorite drink. Uh, the uh, uh, the Van orange, orange vanilla, vanilla seltzer. Vanilla is that like the orange vanilla ice cream cone? Like the old creamsicle one? I've actually got an unopened one that I'm ready to start once this one's done. Yo, put one of those in the freezer or the refrigerator for me. It's, it's delish. Yeah. It's good mixed with coffee. Matt's, Matt's mixed really? coffee. Yeah, it's great, Crazy, man. Um, um, so at any rate, uh, yeah. And Steve, Steve, Steve has uh, shed tears speaking to me uh, in his office behind his desk. He just sure. is like that. He's a loving guy. But yeah, so this is, but that's, you know, that's like the, the idea. So let's, um, let's continue on in here a little bit. Uh, sure. So, um, so, and, and then, you know, he calls him his child. Yeah. So in, in, so a question, in what sense is Onesimus Paul's child? Mm. But obviously not biological. Right. And again, most of us can probably answer that question because obviously Paul's saying he's somebody I converted to the Lord or I led to the Lord. Yeah. Um, but, but you're at, you want to be asking questions as if you know nothing. Okay. Mm. Um, uh, because sometimes too, you could be assuming things that maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, you, maybe you're wrong because you're assuming things. Right. So you want to, um, uh, and he says, and I became his father during my imprisonment. So he's already revealed that he's, it's actually interesting. The third time in this little letter, Paul's noted he's in prison. Hmm. Um, so, uh, so he became his child while in prison um yeah so again we're charting the flow of thought we are asking questions we're making observations it's an organic process and we've even pulled some application right mm -hmm. so it's not as if like once i'm done with everything then i start my application no it's like you and then we'll go back and inform our application like so one way application might be formed is uh my subjective reading of some of Paul's rhetoric here, I've said, is that he sounds to me to be a little passive aggressive. Mm. But the application then would probably should probably I should probably hold off on the application. Therefore, I should be passive aggressive. 
um, <laughs> because because that's gonna it's gonna it's gonna inform us, right? Like yeah. like there's gonna be other things here, like like Paul. Um, there's there's gonna be other elements to that to that puzzle that I should use before I conclude something like that. So sure. Um, formerly he was useless to you, but now he's indeed useful to me and you and me. I wonder if Onesimus was not the most diligent of slaves. Now, of course, this would be another place to contextually study stuff. Yeah. Um, it would be worth maybe doing a little bit of reading on what slavery looked like in the Greco-Roman world. Um, we talked a few weeks ago about eisegesis, the reading into the text, things from our minds and our world. Yeah. Well, I mean, we live in a nation whose one of its darkest blemishes is the fact that slavery was legal and practiced and extremely harsh here for mm -hmm. quite some time. Um, and it's, it's like I've been called America's original sin, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and however hard you lean into that, I think we all feel that to some extent or another. And so it's very easy to take our picture of that in our mind's eye and to say, well, anything else that could possibly be called that is also exactly the same as what happened here. Right. Greco-Roman slavery is significantly different, but you don't learn about that really from here, mm. uh, from the letter. So we're not going to go into that. But one, one thing of historical background that might be helpful to answering questions about this letter would be to learn a little bit about what slavery looked like then yeah you know i was gonna i was gonna mention too uh like in verse 16 you're it's funny you said you're reading out of the esv i am too i wonder if i have an earlier copyright or something mine says slave uh but yours was reading as bond servant it's definitely been updated sure. and you said you've had that bible pretty much since you've been a christian right yeah uh, so, yeah 12 years now 13 yeah, years the, the esv has been through at least one update hmm. so, um cool. All but right. that does imply a little bit about the nature, like you're saying, Doug, you know, I was saying that because it does imply something about the nature of what Paul's talking about here. So whether I'm reading this word as slave or bondservant, there are questions to be asked as far as, you know, what was the actual type of service that Onesimus was in? You know what I mean? Because like yeah. you said, my, my modern American brain, I see the word slave and I go back to America's original sin. You know what I mean? That's my image right. of that. But right. I do know from from other studies and, and whatnot and look in reading into this more that you could you can willingly walk into a, a bond service, you know what I mean, for various could. reasons. Yeah. yeah. I mean there were there were also there were tons of reasons why a person could find themselves in that class, like they could be prisoners of war. You know, mm -hmm. so it wasn't always like, you know, debt slavery or something like that, but that was a reality of of it. But oh yeah. Um so all I'm saying is, you know, like Believe it or not, there are cultures in which slavery was um, bearable and certain slaves had it well. A lot of slaves had it horribly, uh, um, but, you know, it doesn't, it's not necessarily the case that like Onesimus was abused. I mean, he might right. have had it quite well with Philemon. And given the fact that Philemon is apparently a believer when Onesimus split, um, I think it's probably safe to say that he wasn't being like violent towards him or anything like that. Right. You know, he probably had a, he was probably a pretty decent master, but there's, but Paul calls him useless. Yeah. And um, that's, you know, one of those things where like, it's like, Oh gee, that's a little harsh. Don't you think Paul? I mean, you're talking about somebody who was a slave. You're going to call him useless too. One of the things that I try to practice when I read my Bible is realizing that I am reading a translation. Mm. Um, and if I call someone useless today, that's very much an insult. It's basically like they're essentially worthless, mm. you know? Um, but there's a variety of different things that I can plausibly see this meaning yeah. uh, that that uh, I don't necessarily... so. All I'm saying is just because words have certain connotations in English doesn't mean that the words they're translated from have those same connotations. I right. ran into that this this morning, actually. I was I was fin finishing up the book of Joshua uh, study yeah. there, Alex. Uh, yeah. But there's a passage in there where it calls God jealous. And that's another one of those big ones, right? Like jealousy 
like jealousy for us is essentially covetousness. Right. right? But when the Bible talks about God's jealousy, it's almost like they can't find a better word to describe it, but it's clearly not the same thing as what we're taught as what we mean. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like God's like, I really wish I had that, that, that Ferrari. Um, Yeah. It's interesting. So as I read this, I mean, the image I have as far as the bond service, right? So you figure, you know, Doug, speak into this too, because the image I have kind of going in my head is that in a bond service in this day, you didn't, you didn't have stores, you didn't have grocery stores, right? You know, you didn't just go to the grocery store to buy food. You had to, you had to make it or trade for it or pay for it or whatever else from a farmer or whoever else. And if you can't do that, if for whatever reason, you don't have the means to provide for yourself or your family, and there's an opportunity for you to agree to be paid a certain specific amount or to enter into a type of service where you agree to work every day according to this or agree to work for somebody for an X amount of time in return for being fed, you know, I don't know. I, I would recently. say that I would say that that reflects Israelite slavery a little bit more than it reflects New Testament slavery. Okay. Um, there are, I mean, so, certainly some people did live very hand to mouth with their stuff and, you know, you grow your own food, but there were markets, there were a, a, a Agora as they were called, mm-hmm. where you could go and buy things. So it was, but some people did, but nevertheless, I mean, there was, you're right, there was such a thing as debt. And right. if you had no way of paying that debt, um, and not to mention the fact that banks don't exist then, like you don't have, and I, I'm not going to, I said we were going to stick close to Philemon. So yeah. it, it's not as if they had places that existed for the sake of giving loans. Right. And so if you were, if you needed to borrow in order to feed your family or something, somebody had to be generous to you right? Somebody had to be willing. And if a guy's coming to me who's destitute because he's not able to grow grain or something, well, I shouldn't say grain. Grain was mainly imported, but, you know, uh, talking generally about the situation in the Bible about debt slavery, if they're destitute, there's no guarantee that they're going to, it's, it's, it's not a very good loan to take from a person who's not able, who's, who's so desperate that they need a loan in order to eat. Right. So there needs to be some kind of incentive there uh, to, to loan some kind of assurance. And so when the Bible provides for um, uh, for things like debt slavery and it's clearly legal and commonly practiced in ancient Israel, um, you're dealing with this. You're dealing with a legal system that's also needs to provide incentive for people to be generous because it Mm -hmm. does command them to be generous. But you got to remember that the old Testament law governs both the, both believers and unbelievers. They're governing, it's governing a whole society. It's Mm -hmm. governing those who are going to be open their hand to their poor, but they're also, it's also governing people who could care less. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, it's, 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 it's providing a whole society incentive that if I'm going to loan to somebody who I don't know that they're going to pay me back, I know at least that uh, I can get labor from them. They can, sure. they can pay me back in labor sure. and therefore I will make that loan. Mm-hmm. So ironically- you and I go out to a restaurant and there's, a spoken, there's an unspoken agreement that I will order food and I will pay for that food. And then that food comes, I eat it and I can't pay for it. Guess what? I'm doing the dishes in the back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's essentially it. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah. All so right. Let's press on. Okay. Let's press on here. So, um, so we learn that he became his child in his imprisonment. So Paul apparently led him to Christ while he was a prisoner. I wish I knew had more of that story. I wish I was a fly on the wall. Know what the heck happened? Hmm. Did did Onesimus wind up in prison with him? Uh, was hmm. uh, how did he end up talking to Paul, who's in Rome? Another interesting background study would be what were Roman prisons like? If you were thrown in prison, um, then what what would that look like? Um, uh, maybe some other biblical backgrounds, like which of Paul's imprisonment would this have been? Mm. Another um, another question just popped into my head while we were talking about this. You might be able to answer that. One question I would have is, you know, the name Philemon and Onesimus. Are these are these Greek names? Are these Hebrew names? Like, will that give us any kind of context into who these folks are? You know what I mean? I think it's one thing if we're talking to 
um, you know, Hebrews versus talking to, you know, Greeks. Yeah. Yeah. And there again, like those are things to look into, but I've maybe unwisely limited myself to stuff that I can understand as an English reader. So, mm. uh, but uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so you won't tell me if these are Greek names or if they're well, Hebrew they're names? Definitely Greek names. Yeah. I mean, okay. uh, yeah. Philemon, we know the word, we know Philadelphia, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so love, it's his name has to do with love, right? And um, Onesimus is an interesting name. You might have a footnote there. Uh, but there seems to be a play on the words useless. And useful. useful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. interesting. His name yeah. means useful. Sort of. Yeah, it's a little It's a little weird. But yeah, there does seem to be a play on that. Yeah, Paul. And then yet, yeah, you know, yeah. suggested by Paul, Philemon calls him useless. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, so at any rate, uh, so Onesimus is a piece of work. He's ended up with Paul somehow. Paul has led him to the Lord. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. Again, another conversation I would have loved to have a fly on the wall for. Now, here is an interesting observation too, I think. Um, So Paul, we said that Paul is asking Philemon to do something extremely hard. He has also asked Onesimus to do something extremely hard. Namely, go back to Philemon. Yeah. Right? Like, um, and that's, that. there's all kinds of crazy implications about this. Like, Paul is telling an escaped slave to go back to his master who is under no obligation to treat him kindly. Um, he is such confidence in the work of God that he knows that he can send someone to something where legally he could be in very, very deep trouble. And Onesimus has been transformed enough to where he says, yes, like that's, that's crazy. Like that's, that's, you know, that's the, that's the power of the gospel. And what's, what's kind of cool about this too, is that like, that's a historical certainty, right? Like you, you want to see, like, it's, it's not as if this letter is fiction, Sorry, like we're, say, what's, sorry, what's, I'm, his, what's I'm saying historical that certainty? The, the fact that Paul converted a slave mm. and the slave was so transformed in his heart that he was willing to go back. Mm. Like, this isn't fiction. We're reading someone's mail. This yeah. is us going into Philemon's mailbox and opening up his letter. Yeah. Right? And, and uh, it just blows my mind that, that, um, that the, that, that the power of, of the, of the spirit of God, uh, that the power of the gospel has so affected this guy that he'd be willing to do that. And, uh, but imagine, it, imagine being in Onesimus' shoes to be the one to bring this letter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, hey, I'm back. Here's a letter from Paul that is, is basically telling you, you need to forgive me. Like yeah. what a tough situation, you know what I mean? But, uh, but but now let's think of some of the other dynamics we've discussed too. Notice that when we talked about the the uh, the introduction, right? Mm. Uh, that we noted that it's addressed to the whole church. Mm. So I wonder is that part of why Paul is willing to make that gamble too? Interesting. You know what I'm saying? That like Philemon will have the pressure of the whole. So maybe he he's not. So like it's it's not as if like. Paul is being, you know, I've used, I've, I've talked about some of his rhetorical technique, right? His, his persuasive method in this letter. It's not as if he's like trying to convince Philemon to come to lead well or something, right? <clears throat> he's trying to convince him to do something like pretty hardcore mm. and, and something that has dire consequences for someone. So it's almost like he's pulling out all of his ammo and getting them to do that, including making this a quasi-public letter, including reminding him of his imprisonment and, as we'll see, a bunch of all kinds of other stuff, including his mushy language. Mm. Like, he's really leaving no stone unturned in order to ensure that this re-encounter is a good one. Mm. Um, How are we doing on time? I don't know. I have the start time from when we opened up the actual Zoom meeting, not from okay. when we actually started the Oh, no. Thing. Okay. All but right. according to when you and I first jumped on to the video, it's been 57 minutes and 55 seconds. 
All right, let's say that we've been going then for about 40 some odd minutes. Yeah, because I All spent right. 15 minutes making coffee. All right, so I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna <laughs> uh, belabor too much of this because I think you guys are kind of seeing the point of like what we're doing here. Um, sure, should we press on so, verse 17? Yeah, let's go to 17. Okay. So if you consider me your partner, there it is again, right? If you consider me your partner, and it's interesting that, I'm sorry, I'll read the paragraph. Uh, um, <laughs> receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. <clears throat> Passive aggression. Um, yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Okay. Um, <clears throat> So mm. let's say, I want to say Paul offers to right any wrong. So I, I see Paul doing a couple things here. I see him saying, receive him as you would receive me. His debt is mine. Uh, his debt to you is mine. Um, and I, yeah, so. And, I, and also, I'm your partner. Mm. So it's almost as if, it's almost as if Paul places himself in Onesimus's place, mm. but he uses his relationship with Philemon to say, you're looking at me, but you're looking at him. Mm. Now, how do I put that into a sentence? I don't know. Let's, Paul, re, re, Paul reestablishes the the hierarchy of relationships here. Um, I don't know. So, so Paul places himself in Onesimus's shoes, and I guess if I were if I were to summarize this, Doug. I, the stab I would take is that Paul, um, Paul asks Philemon to see Onesimus as he would see Paul himself. There we or go. Or to view Onesimus as in, you know, Paul. As Sounds Paul. good. So, so Paul asks Philemon to see Onesimus as he sees Paul himself. Right. Mm -hmm. That's how I would phrase it anyway. Yeah. Cool. This, this paragraph is crazy. I, I mean, Paul, like this is the, this is like the punch, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah, this yeah. this is the hard hit right here from Where Paul. He like brings the, the, the trap, as it were, or whatever, yeah. Yeah, I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Like, there's some kind of a debt here. I was kind of mentioning this a little bit earlier in the video. What is the relationship Paul has to Philemon? Because it's it, Paul's very much implying that there is some debt that Philemon owes to Paul and is and is using that or at least pointing that out to reflect upon Onesimus's debt to Philemon. I, I mean, I kind of think that it might be that he's saying that Paul, that, that he, he's the reason why he knows the Lord in the first place. Like that Philemon you know, knows the, yeah, knows that the Philemon Lord. knows the mm. Lord. Although, although he's not exactly saying that, right. He mm. says, you owe me your own self, but somehow Paul, Paul not only believes that Philemon is, indebted to him in some way, but also believes that Philemon thinks that, you know, um, I feel like I'm making less sense as we go on. Um, so, sorry, I'm writing uh, application questions for us. Yeah, no problem. Segment. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so if you consider me your partner and that's another thing that's really interesting, like I'm not exactly sure what the, how the churches themselves would have viewed Paul, but I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure he'd be like a superstar if we heard he was in North Jersey, you yeah. know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and it's kind of, so it's kind of like, like, uh, you know, like this, the guy who wrote like half the new Testament is like, Hey, we're partners here, you know? And you, you, you imagine the, the, almost the flattery, like, Oh yes. We, yes, we, of course we, yeah, we are, we're partners. Mm. Okay. Then why don't we do this? You know, um, so again, part of the rhetorical thing, like Paul is willing to get low um, he like, and I think that's a consistent thing in his letters, right? Like his apostolic authority always leads him to be very humble. 
Like, even if he's got to say stuff, even if he does have to command obedience or something, like he never approaches them as a superior, but as somebody who's, who's, who's humble and willing mm. to, to, to uh, debase himself if he needs to. Mm. Um, this is, mm. Yeah. I, I can't help but jump, jump to application all the time because like there's applications from here that just fall out because I've seen just in my own relationships and especially as a pastor, I've had conversations before where there was an issue of not being able to forgive someone for something that they've done to wrong them. And my plea was not for them to just overlook it, but rather my plea was them to look at their relationship with Jesus. You know what I mean? Look to Christ and you know, how can you hold this thing against them? And so part of that pattern is here where basically Paul is, is pointing this out and saying, you know, receive Onesimus as you would receive me as you are in my debt. So Onesimus is to you and charge that to my account. You know what I mean? Put that, put that over here. Um, It reminds me a lot of Christ. That's another question. And that's, that's another interesting thing. When we talk about like the moral character of the early Christians and like the people who wrote our Bible, like, Mm -hmm. One thing that, and this is sort of an apologetic thing, you know, like were these guys full of, full of crap or something, right? Like, I don't think you could say that at all. Like, because again, we're reading this guy's mail and Paul is saying like, look, if, if this has cost you money, the fact that he split, I'll pay for it. Mm. Um, and, but, uh, you know, but he does say, and and he says, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. Like, like Mm. this, uh, because that he knows that that's going to sound unbelievable. He's like, mm. hey, Paul often used what are called the manuensis where like, these are guys who, who wrote, who actually penned it. And right. so he's, he's like, give me that. And he's like, because there's actually some places in his letters where it sounds like he expects people to recognize his handwriting. Mm. Um, but at any rate, he says, um, So he makes that promise. And then verse 20 is interesting. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. And so one of the questions I would ask is like, what benefit is he talking about? What's he talking about there? What does he mean? How would he? And I think what he's saying is, I'll pay you, but just so that we're all uh, have the right understanding here, um, you kind of owe me. So do me a solid you want to really know how you could show me your gratitude for being your father in Christ too, Hmm. and for suffering like I do for the sake of your church and for the sake of the faith, do this for me, Hmm. receive him back as a brother. And if it costs you anything, I'll pay it. Yeah. In this, it's interesting in this verse, it just reminds me, I think he pointed out what, what was it? Two or three times that he's in prison. You know what I mean? And yeah, I want some benefit from you. Refresh my heart in Christ. It seems almost like, as a dying wish, let me know this, that, yeah, you know, I'm old, this I'm in work, prison. seeing, yeah, seeing you come to Christ and leading you there. And now I'm sending him back to you. Do the same, refresh my heart in Christ and let me know that. And you receive know? him as you would receive me. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Like if, if you were going to, if you'd lay out a special bed for me, lay it out for him. If yeah. you'd have a feast when I got there, have a feast for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this is some of the passing of the torch, you know what I mean? That Onesimus, you know, who knows? Paul's discipling Onesimus and sends him back to be, you know, Paul version two. You know what I mean? Spoiler alert. Mm. Ona- uh, there is an Onesimus referenced, I believe, in one of Clement's letters as a bishop. Of really? The- yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I can find the exact reference for you. Anybody who's interested, just email me. I. That's cool. I just don't know it off the top of my head, but yeah. All right. Let's read that next. Uh, Yep. Those next two verses, confident of your, yeah, confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. Hmm. Um, and I wish we had a ton of time to talk about this one too, but hmm. so I probably summarize this. So, um, Paul, so he, he expresses confidence that he will comply. Yeah, he'll respond favorably. Yeah, that's a nicer way to say it. Um, I'm, not as, I'm trying not to be as passive-aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and hopes he'll see him again. Yeah, yeah, and hopes to, and hopes to see. So that's... Um, 
<laughs> I just thought of a I just thought of a Star Wars reference. Hit me. The Emperor is coming here. That's kind of like what Paul, right? Like, yeah. like he's this is the first time he said uh, he's not as forgiving as I am. Commander. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like that's kind of what's going on with Paul, right? And and <laughs> interestingly, he hasn't mentioned that he's getting out or has any hopes of. And I think it's mm-hmm. more like Paul doesn't know for certain he's getting out. He's just, yeah. but he's like, I know you guys are praying for me. Yeah. And if I if and when I get out, have a place ready because I'll be there. Again, part of his retort rhetoric, right? Like, mm-hmm. I know you'll do even even more than I say, even more than I say. So, like, I I haven't thought of all the kind ways that you could be towards this man. Mm-hmm. Like, get creative, mm-hmm. and uh, and I I actually love that I love that sentence from Paul. Confident of your obedience, right? Yeah. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than this. It like. That seems like a sincere vote of confidence from Paul to me. Yeah, you know what I mean. Just like I'll, I'll know you. I know you'll do this. I mean, I don't know about you, Doug. How many times have we had conversations, like probably harder conversations, where we had to approach one another for sin things or accountability or anything else like that? And just you come, and it's the hardest thing to do in love is to call out a good friend or a brother or sister in Christ, and yet still be confident knowing that they'll receive this well. You know what I right. mean? At the end of this, that this is for both of our mutual good. Yeah. Or like, whatever. You, like you know that that they're at a point in their Christian maturity where they will mm-hmm. receive it, and yeah, you know, and that so that that's it's a compliment I think to Philemon. I agree. Um, yeah. The other um, uh, the other thing too, I mean, note that he does he does say, you know, I hope to get out soon, and if and when I do, I plan on visiting you. So that is also kind of like. And I better not find Onesimus washing feet when I get there. <laughs> you know, it's, funny, it's funny that you say, it's uh, funny that. You say that. Uh, I, like that's kind of that. Kind of, uh, so let me read those, this last paragraph here. Okay. Because there's a, like, I, I feel like the biggest, one of my favorite examples of this uh, rhetoric, uh, this, this rhetorical persuasion, I think is in this paragraph. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark. Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So we would call this just final greetings from prison. And so the reason I say that I I feel like this is like another big piece of Paul's art of persuasion here, right? Um, Is is that like, he's just said all this stuff. He's made it very clear what he's wanted to do. He's used very gracious letters. He's very gracious, gracious words. He's, uh, he's, he's having this said to Philemon in front of his house church with the other believers they're watching. And then Paul ends and he's like, oh yeah, by the way, Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke say hi. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so like, yeah. so just so you don't know, like, I'm not the only one here. Like these guys are here too. And they're in agreement with me. Mm. Um, so like, you know, and I think it's so funny how like you and I had very different impressions of this reading through it. Cause like for me, <laughs> I hear this as, as a, as a dying man's wish, you know what I mean? He, maybe he meets Onesimus in prison. He learns his story, he comes to Christ. And then Onesimus is telling him of, I don't know. Maybe it's an act of repentance. I've wronged these people. And Paul's telling him, you, you got to go back to them. And here, you know, here's my, here's this letter, bring this with you. And I implore you to forgive them and so on and so forth. And, you know, seeing this as, as a, as a dying passing of the torch and and so on and so forth. Meanwhile, you Doug read this as as the emperor is coming to the death star. (laughs) Don't comply. You're going to get lightning to the ground when I show up you know um, I mean yeah. although you know in it, more realistically it, I understand that too because I, I can't help but try to read in, in the text and I want to be careful that I don't carry read. a big stick yeah I want to be careful I don't read too far into the text but you know m- maybe maybe Philemon was you know withholding forgiveness uh to Onesimus, and maybe that's why the the a little bit uh-huh. more passive aggressive tone comes out from Paul he, from yeah. Paul here saying there there is and you know maybe moving into application a little bit, there is no place for that in, in yeah. God's church. You know what I mean? That because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us and what we've been forgiven of, 
what place is there for me to withhold forgiveness from a brother or sister in Christ? You know? Yeah, and exactly. And, and I would also underscore the, like what I said a little bit earlier about how uh, the stakes are actually very high um, mm. because Philemon yeah. has the legal right to punish Onesimus very severely. Mm. I want to say death, but I'm not even, I'm not a hundred percent sure of that off the top of my head, but mm. uh, yeah, I mean, like, so I feel as if, you know, maybe Paul writing him three words like would have been enough, mm. but he's, but he's doing everything I think he can to ensure that Philemon will act in a, in a right and honorable way. So mm. there obviously are, are other questions that stem from this, uh, course, not least, yeah. not least of which has to do with, um, you know, um, how does this fit in with the Bible's evaluation of slavery and the ownership of other people? Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe if we weren't already almost an hour in, we could talk a little bit about that. But, sure. but then again, we're, we're just talking about how to interpret this book. And so, that would be a matter of theological construction or, or you know, uh, biblical ethics. Hmm. Um, and so, and we do want to distinguish that from, you know, interpretation proper. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Doug, over the past couple of weeks, uh, we've talked a lot about context, literary context and um, background context, historical context and, and many other things. And we've only just done uh, like a brief skim over the text. Here are some basic observations that we can see and kind of walk away with. Here's some things we can point out in the text. You hinted some other things that maybe we could dive a little bit further on. Maybe some language is, is you plural or singular. Um, you know, Philemon, okay, is, is that a Greek name? Is he talking to Greeks? What does that imply about what they understand about the things of the Lord? You know, so on and so forth. I'd love for us to finish our time together just talking a little bit about application, right? Because you asked some really good questions in the past videos. What does this teach me about God? What does this teach me about myself? Uh, there were other questions there. I forget them, Doug. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What does this teach me about God? What does this teach me about myself? Is there anything I don't understand? Mm. Um, how should I live in light of this? And, uh, and who can I tell? How should I live in light of this? I love that. So um, obviously for anyone listening in, you know, every single week, Doug and I sit down and we're writing discussion guides for our community groups, right? And, and this, is, this is essentially what we do. We, we read the text or listen to the sermon or, you know, Doug in, in many ways is doing a lot of, of contextual, you know, he dives into context and different things to help inform uh, sermons and, and leaders guides and things like that. And then we want to ask good application questions, right? So if, if this is what the Bible's teaching us, then how do we actually apply this to our life? You know? So, you know, as we were sitting here, you know, just kind of walking through this, Doug, some questions that if I was to build a discussion guide around this, um, or if I was to ask myself these questions, even now, as far as application, some of the things I'd be asking, um, probably things like, you know, who have I wronged that I need to uh, repent before? You know what I mean? Is there somebody in my life mm -hmm. who I've either wronged and I have not come back to confront that. And I'm, I need to first repent of that before the Lord and come to them and ask for forgiveness. Uh, number two, is there anyone I'm withholding forgiveness from? Is there anybody in my life who has wronged me? And for one reason or another, um, just I'm not willing to forgive them or I've, or I've just kind of brushed it under the rug, for instance. Yeah. Um, also, you know, what does this teach me about God? Um, another question I have is what has been charged to Jesus' account because of me? Um, that's a question I always like to ask just in, in prayer, you know, remembering exactly who Jesus is and what he has done for me, for Alex, for my sake and, and who I was before I knew the Lord and exactly what's been charged. Because if I can see the reality of my own sin, it might help me have a lot more grace and humility for others that have wronged me. Um, what else? In what way does our relationship to Jesus uh, inform the way that we should, uh, I can't read my writing inform how we should treat those in our debt inform how we should work on our penmanship hey man it looks cool i just can't i can't <laughs> oh, read yeah. it <laughs> gonna turn my head sideways <laughs> and then the last one um you know where do you see aspects or what do you what aspects of christ do you see in this text you know to phrase it your way doug what does this communicate to us about uh, our lord mm. which is really cool yeah so a couple application questions there too yeah. I, I mean, I, my application, so real quick. So um, what does this teach me about, about God? Um, I think what, what I'm really struck by in this read through is God's amazing power to transform people. And that like, yeah. Um, and so maybe the, what is it, what does it teach me about myself is that 
I should not be um, timid about asking people to do great acts of Christian maturity, mm-hmm. you know, asking, asking my fellow believers and encouraging them to do, you know, like big things for the Lord. Um, don't and have confidence that, that they'll do that and, and do even more. Right. But all, yeah, exactly. But also to know that like my, how I ask mm-hmm. is a big thing. Like I, I should ask uh, myself as having done made sacrifices for, for, for Christ and, and all that, you know, and, and a bunch of these other things. Um, and I should always sign my, my letters, Doug Becker and Alex and Steve and Ryan. (laughs) Um, But yeah. And then, um, uh, so, um, is there anything I don't understand? Uh, yeah, a bunch of stuff. Um, like, um, let's see like an example of something that I still don't really understand here is um, I don't completely have my head around the play on words with useful, useless and stuff. Mm. Um, I don't completely understand um, the background, like what, um, um, uh, what, why did Onesimus flee and uh, what exactly, I think I, I, I could, um, noted that i wasn't i'm not exactly sure like what the penalty might be if he mm. uh if if philemon did want to get him in trouble mm. uh and then um how do i need to live differently I, I need to not be so shy and bashful about um uh, uh encouraging people to do what's right in the eyes of the lord mm. and uh who do i need to tell about this i think uh nate dorka really needs to hear this I'm just kidding. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Is Nate wrong, do you man? <laughs> but I've got I've got some thoughts. Uh, yeah. Cool. Just kidding. Uh, a couple of things in here too. I would probably jump into. There's a couple of names I don't recognize. Uh, Aphia and Archippus. I've never. I, I don't know who they are. So that's something I'd probably want to dive into and see if I can get any more background information. And you know, uh, Aristarchus as well. Uh, Demas, I've heard of. Obviously, Luke. I think that's really cool to see Luke there with Paul. Yeah. Uh, just knowing the the works that we get from Luke, I, like the gospel. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, which is really really neat. But a couple cool things there. Anything else, Doug? Before we uh, close up well, today, I'll just note as a little bit of a bonus, like this is one of those names that you mentioned, or one of the reasons why I say I like I always buy Bibles that have cross references in them uh, mm. because. I have notes here of, of the other places in the new Testament where they are mentioned, the ones who are. And one thing that you will find is a bunch of them are mentioned also in the letter of Colossians. And the reason for that probably is that Colossians and Philemon were sent together. That Philemon, yeah. Philemon was one of the church leaders in Colossae. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. So that's cool background context right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. Well, uh, thank you guys for following along with us. Hopefully, this was insightful. Again, it's it's a broad stroke. This is a, a first kind of all right. We're sitting down to read a brand new section of scripture, or a new book, or or something we've read before, but want to come at it with new eyes. And and here's just kind of a, a way of going about doing that. Um, if this is certainly you know if this is really brand new to you, then congratulations. You just read a whole book of the Bible. So yay, yay for you guys. Uh, but hopefully this was insightful for you guys. Thank you so much for joining in over the past couple of weeks. As always, if you have any questions for Doug or for myself, feel free to email us doug.becker at emergencenj.org or alex.hauser at emergencenj.org, where you can find us on Emergence Connect as well. And then we will look forward to seeing you guys next week for our next Theology Thursday. And until then, God bless. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.